if our podcast wasn't super cheap and we actually had a budget um we would be leading this off with jump around um what wisconsin does at the end of the third quarter it's one of my favorite college football traditions and we're singing in my head wisconsin's gonna be a bit of a theme today just throwing that out there before we even get going be a lot of wisconsin talk um so continuing our season previews big 10 preview today i am stoked about this we did sec last week so if you've not checked that out go to spotify youtube um apple any of those places you listen to podcasts ben how are you this evening oh man my uh my air conditioner decided to go out in the middle of a heat wave so i'm amazing how are you i gotta tell you i've had a lot of crap go down this week but None of it as bad as my air conditioning going down in July in Georgia. That's pretty rough. <laughs> it's a fun time. I think Georgia and South Carolina compete so. pretty consistently for hottest states during the summer. I don't think it's Florida. Texas, I know the degrees gets hotter, but you guys don't understand the humidity that goes on in Georgia and South Carolina. It is like nothing I've ever experienced before. Um, so is the AC fixed, Ben? Or are you sweating it out? Sweating it out, bro. Sweating it out? Oh, my God. That's brutal, man. That is brutal. Um, Okay, so I'm excited for tonight because I think the Big Ten has more storylines than any other conference. The first thing, which I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because we've already talked about it, but the Pat uh, Fitzgerald thing going on at Northwestern, that's going to be a theme all year because Northwestern has a new coach. Uh, there are players leaving that program. There's lawsuits impending. It's just going to be a thing all season long. We've got Mel Tucker, who has the biggest buyout right now in college football. It would cost Michigan State around $80 million if they wanted to fire him. So that will come up later on in this podcast. We have Ohio State frustrated with Ryan Day who has not won less than 10 games every year he's been there and just had his team in the playoff, um, a field goal shy of beating Georgia in the semifinal last year. So he potentially comes in on the hot seat. We have Jim Harbaugh, whose name continuously gets thrown in NFL circles. And then we've got Nebraska, Wisconsin, Purdue, all with new coaches. And I guess Northwestern also with a new coach, right? So, and then you've got on top of that, so Mel Tucker is going to be in the hot seat. We'll talk about that. Does Tom Allen at Indiana, does he now get thrown on the hot seat? Is Ryan Day getting thrown on the hot seat if he loses to Michigan a third consecutive year? I think it's all interesting, Ben. I got to tell you, of the Power 5 conferences, as far as storylines, there's not a conference I'm excited to watch more than what we're going to see play on the Big Ten this year. I think the storylines will be amazing. Yeah, man. Well, you've got the uh, – how many teams are in this thing now? 14? 14. The 14 Stooges. So, the 14 uh, Stooges? Yeah, man. You don't have to worry about the three Stooges anymore. Just go to the Big Ten. It's kind of wild. Every program has their own ridiculous stuff, from firing yeah. your coach right before the season starts to paying Mel Tucker – hundred million dollars to lose six games a season uh, to hating on your coach that has taken you to the playoffs multiple times and 
delved out multiple incredible quarterbacks and best in class wide receiver classes and basically made Ohio State the best team in the Big Ten, except for Michigan, who has just come on top here the past few years. So it is a wild conference, and it's just going to get more wild with the addition of USC well, and UCLA. It is interesting, the whole situation with Ryan Day. Because if I said, what's the expectation for Mich or for Ohio State, you would say, I mean, I think anybody would say, well, get into the playoff every couple of years. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think having an expectation of winning a championship every few years is just ridiculous. Winning a championship is, it's hard, right? But getting to the playoff, I think, is a reasonable expectation for a program like Ohio State. But there does become this question of, okay, we're getting to the playoff. But if you're getting to the playoff and you have a zero confidence in your head coach to win those big games, can you keep them around or can you justify firing them? Like I know Michigan's gotten to the playoff and they've lost. Right. But I think if you look at Michigan fans and say, what is your confidence level in Jim, Jim Harbaugh's capacity to win a national championship? They're like, oh, I'm super confident. He'll get it done at some point. But if you ask Ohio State fans, do you believe Ryan Day is going to win a championship? I think the majority of them would say probably not. I think his ceiling is getting to the playoffs. So if you feel like that is his ceiling, and if you feel like, by the way, Michigan, which has started to recruit, Ohio kids, that's the biggest, if Ryan Day gets fired, it will be because he lost to Michigan again, and it will be because he is losing recruits in the state of Ohio to Michigan. That's the biggest thing right now. So, but your saving grace at a program like Ohio State is, if you be, if they believe you can win a national championship, they will keep you around. My problem, Ben, is if you look at the past couple of years from Ryan Day, it feels like he has hit his ceiling. And as impressive as the game was in the playoff against Georgia, it was equally disappointing watching the way Ohio State let Georgia get back in that game and win it the way they did at the end. That should never happen if you're a program like Ohio State. If you get that type of a lead, they should not come back in the final few minutes of that game and win it. Um, so it leads me to my first. And by the way, this is my fault for doing this. Our conference previews, we're doing a little bit differently. We have different superlatives, I guess you could say, that we're hitting along the way. Okay, so the superlatives are conference championship prediction, surprise contender, hottest seat, most exciting team, best game, and then player of the year prediction. Those are the superlatives we're hitting. So I want to start us off with which coach, Ben, in the Big Ten is on the hottest seat going into the year? Probably Mel Tucker. <laughs> okay, but his buyout's 80 million. So yeah, even if Michigan State goes 2-10, and 10, how do they fire him? Well, I don't think they do. I think they do the same thing that Texas A&M has had to do. And they uh, look to hire a competent head coach to help him because clearly he's not cut out for it at this moment. Maybe they go to the Auburn route, hire him a really nice secretary. <laughs> was that an that was not that was, was not that an Auburn. For? Okay, and he brought what he brought that, and it wasn't a secretary; it was an athletic assistant. whatever it was. And that okay. assistant came from Boise State. And that so, was never proven to actually have happened. 
Yeah. No. What? <laughs> yes. But it's still funny of all places. <laughs> um. So hottest seat for me is also Mel Tucker. Yeah. That is that also the hottest seat. Well, here's the thing. I don't know that he'll get fired at the end of the year. And I want to talk about buyouts here in a minute because I think buyouts are absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but I do want to talk about it. So I don't think he'll get fired at the end of the year because of the buyout. But I think upstairs they are going to make the decision they are moving on from Mel Tucker. Right. Yep. Again, it won't happen this year. It maybe happens next year, the year after. But upstairs, they're going to say, we're done. He can't continue to coach here, right? And they might bring in like a highly talented offensive coordinator or somebody like that, or maybe they're just running the program in Mel Tucker's name, right? But that's mm -hmm. the guy that's actually running it. Maybe they can construct something like that um, to keep him around. But I do think he goes in with the hottest seat because, I mean, if you look at the Big Ten East, Michigan will be great. Ohio State's going to be great again. Penn State's going to be brutal. Maryland's going to be good. And then if you look at Michigan State's roster, they've had all of these players transfer out. They haven't yep. even had good recruiting classes to be losing super talented <laughs> freshmen like this. So I don't know what kind of a year we're going to get from Michigan State. So I think he's on the hot seat. Absolutely. Yep. But. I don't think we'll get fired just simply because of the buyout. Now, I want to talk about the buyout. We don't talk about this in any other sport, Ben. Only college athletics. And really, it only gets talked about in college football. We don't even talk about it much in college basketball. Which, And so I think the buyout thing and that being a reason why a coach keeps his job is it's very weird because we, again, this doesn't come up anywhere else, but I would make the argument of this. If Michigan state is in a position to fire Mel Tucker and they can't because of the buyout, shouldn't the AD get fired for negotiating that buyout oh, in the first place? He like, shouldn't get fired. He should get sued. Well, for something that big. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, here's the thing is, they gave him the offer. They should have rescinded the offer as soon as he lost one or two games in a row after giving him that offer. Yeah. It was no, I, I think bonkers. If you are in a position where you want to fire your coach and mm -hmm. you can't because of the buyout, that is a direct reflection on not only your 80s inability to hire the right person. Like, I understand you mess up a hire or two. That kind of stuff happens. But that AD is in position specifically to negotiate for the right contract. That, that wasn't even his initial contract, though. That's the thing. It's like he came on with a contract that was like. And it was negotiated right like after that. beating Michigan. Yeah. It's like you got one win and we're going to make Mo Tucker the second highest paid coach in the country next to Nick Saban. Doesn't make any sense. No, not not at all. So and where did he I, come I from? He came from Colorado. Came Went from like Colorado. We had a he had a losing record. Colorado it was five and seven. Now, granted, well, they had a losing record last year, five and seven. Crap, like a terrible program. Yeah, I, I mean they they were they've been bad past few years. They were bad before Mel Tucker got there. He turned them around. Went over to Michigan State, but it's no reason to give him nine million a year with a buyout upwards of eighty million. Um, okay, so how to seat both Ben and I agree it's Mel Tucker. All right, let's do our divisional rankings. Now, we're going to go quick here. Let's start off with the West. I'm going to give you my predictions first. 
in okay. the West, I have Wisconsin winning the division. And I think Ooh. it's going to be Wisconsin and Iowa back and forth throughout the entire year. But I think Wisconsin's super talented. Luke Fickle comes over from Cincinnati. I am stoked to watch them. They're going to come up more um, throughout the podcast, as I mentioned. Second, I have Iowa. Um, I think Kirk Ferentz is entering a really interesting year. Past couple of years for Iowa football have been down. He's got to get them back in the right path. I think he can do it. Third is going to be Minnesota, who loses a bunch of talent, including a super talented running back, Mohamed Ibrahim. But they've got some good players returning, and P.J. Fleck has been nothing but consistent there. So Minnesota in third. Illinois is fourth. They had a great year last year. They bring back a couple of really nice players. However, Illinois, in the three times they have had a winning season over the past, I think, like 20 years, they've immediately followed it with a losing season. So I don't have high expectations. Fifth is Nebraska. Matt Rule comes in first year there. Uh, his first year at Temple, they won one game. His first year at Baylor, they won two games. I don't have high expectations, but they'll be good later in the year than they are early and the division super easy. Sixth, I have Perdon't. Perdon't <laughs> losing their head coach, Jeff Brom, to Louisville. Um, and I'm not sure they really hired the right guy. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. They're going to come in at six. And then seventh is Northwestern. Ben, if, when we get your rankings, if you don't have Northwestern here, I think you're a moron. Northwestern is going through complete turmoil. You're talking about replacing your coach right before you go into training camp. You've got multiple players now bailing on the program. I think Northwestern is going to be the worst team in the conference, bar none. And they didn't they have high expectations year. to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So there's my Big Ten West. Ben, give me I yours. Mean, Northwestern being a 111 team, they were just looking for a reason to get rid of Pat Fitzgerald. So it's not a big deal. Uh, Yes, so Wisconsin definitely has the brightest future this year. Uh, all that you said, really, you've taken kind of everything out, so it's no problem. Not not at all. Um, I don't have anything to add, though, which is sad. <laughs> Wisconsin at number one, uh, I think. Am I the same as you? No, I'm not always. Okay. Uh, I've got Iowa, the Ball Hawks at number two. Then I've got Illinois at number three. Uh, past 20 years, they didn't have Brett Bielema as their head coach. I think he's doing a pretty good job up there. Oh, he's doing a heck of a job. Yeah. Uh, after that, uh, Minnesota, and then Nebraska, Purdue, and Northwestern. So the only disagreement you and I have is we have Minnesota and Illinois flipped, which I'm yep. fine with because Illinois brings back more players, yep. and I do agree. Uh, Brett Bielema has got them scoring as many touchdowns as cheeseburgers he eats between the games. Um, what does that mean? Oh, no, that was that was perfect. Uh, I didn't call him bulimia this time, so I mean, bulimia, ah. Bert bulimia, he could use okay. it. All right, let's go. Big 10 East, uh, number one, I've got Michigan. Michigan is my number one team in the country, by the way, as mm -hmm. we discussed a couple weeks ago. Um, we need to take Ben's reaction to that and make it like a permanent sound clip on the podcast is amazing. Uh, number two is Ohio state. Now I will say this. I think both of those teams are equally talented. I think Harbaugh's a better coach and Michigan gets the game in Ann Arbor. But if that game were in Columbus, I'd be much more tempted to have Ohio state. Number one, number three is Penn state. Number four is Maryland. And let me tell you, 
Maryland, I think, is going to be really, really good again this year. They were last year, both Ben and I said, when we did our preview, we said, look, Maryland's going to be the team to watch in the Big Ten. They went 7-6, and six, but they played Michigan close, Penn State close, Ohio State close. They are getting really, really close to knocking off some really, uh, really talented teams. This Number five, below his senior year. Yes, it is. Yep. Number five, I have Michigan State. Um, now, I will say this. I think Indiana and Rutgers, I think, are both going to be really bad. There's some expectations here with Rutgers. I don't buy it. And I do think the Michigan State players that stay, look, these guys are going to be pissed off. They're playing for their head coach. They're playing uh, pissed off because they've got friends and teammates who have left the team and abandoned the program. They're going to fight for their head coach this year. It's not going to save them, but they're going to win a few games because of that. So I'll put Michigan State at five. Number six, I have Indiana. Same thing. It's a big year for Tom Allen. He's got to survive this thing. Those players are going to fight. They'll win a game or two. And then last, I have Rutgers. I just think, Ben, Rutgers is so weak on the line of scrimmage. I don't care about the players they're bringing back and the players they've got transferring in. I don't think it's going to make a difference with Rutgers. This is a really bad football team. Um and I'm blanking on the former Ohio State defensive coordinator that is there, uh, Chiano. Um, I don't think he's enough to save them this time. Rutgers mm-hmm. is going to be really, really bad. They're number seven for me in the East. Well, we're pretty aligned here, too. The only difference, uh, I'll say, at number three. So just the same as last time. Oh, actually, the top one's different, too. Uh, Ohio State, number one. Ohio State's winning. Really? Even They're going though... into Ann Arbor and winning. Yep. Even though you think Michigan is amazing, uh, Ohio State's full of talent, and they're gonna they're gonna bring it home. Get ready. Uh, Michigan's number two. Uh, Maryland is number three. So uh, I think Tavangaloa is an incredible quarterback. I have no problem with talent. Maryland being there, by the way. And uh, I think they'll win some games. Unfortunately, they won't beat Ohio State or Michigan. Got Penn State at number four. They're replacing the uh, quarterback they had for 15 years, so that'll be a little bit of a challenge for them. But I'm sure it won't be a problem. Uh, <laughs> Michigan State, unfortunately, I have to put them here. I wish I could put them at the bottom. I just don't have a lot of hope for Michigan State, but they are better than both Indiana and Rutgers, so I got to keep them right there where you had them as well. Uh, Indiana, I think, edges out Rutgers just because Rutgers is so bad. They can chop it all they want, but they're not going to win football games. So I got them at last. So one through four, we've got in a slightly different order. Yep. Um, five through seven were exact. Okay, cool. So I want to talk about this because I feel like you and I probably both are going to have them. Who's your most exciting team this year? Mm. Dude, probably Wisconsin. Yeah. Just because no, the same. they're yeah. – they're going from a run-heavy offense to something that is potential. Look, they have a really good defense. They've run heavy offense historically, and they're going to have more offensive firepower than they've had in a long time. So they actually have a pass game or a potential of one. Well, so, so here's the thing about the pass game, which I am stoked about. They're bringing in Tanner Mordecai at quarterback. Okay, so if you don't know who Tanner Mordecai is, he was the quarterback at Southern Methodist last year and was absolutely amazing. I think he had a 27-14 touchdown to interception ratio. He's incredible. And here's the interesting thing. Luke Fickle coached at Cincinnati last year. So why does that matter? 
because Luke Fickle coached against Tanner Mordecai twice, and Tanner Mordecai both times lit him up. And he had a really good defense at Cincinnati. So he went and watched Tanner Mordecai. And when he got the job at Wisconsin said, okay, you're coming with me. And if you look throughout Wisconsin's roster, it's filled with really talented players that are coming back and a bunch of really talented players that were in the AAC last year that were all a or all AAC players. So the fact that he's bringing them in, it's a really talented team. And Ben, this is a team last year. I thought they'd be rebuilding a little bit. I still thought they should have been around eight or nine wins mm-hmm. year before that. I honestly thought Wisconsin should have been like in the top 10 consideration because of all the talent they had. And they've got that type of talent coming back. The only reason nobody's talking about them is because they fired Paul Christ and they looked awful last year. And we've never seen Wisconsin with a dominant passing it. I mean, since Russell Wilson was there, right? (laughs) And even then, it was more scramble around, throw it to somebody. But here's the thing. Braylon Allen in this conference is chocked full of amazing running backs. I mean, you could go nine or ten running backs deep in this conference and have some really amazing players. But Braylon Allen is one of the top running backs in the conference. So he gives you that level of continuity from the previous roster, which will be important for this offensive line. Then you bring in Tanner Mordecai. Who cares the change that you've got at quarterback? You were terrible at quarterback past couple of years. So Graham Mertz gone. Tanner Mordecai comes in. Um, I think the passing game is going to improve substantially too. They're bringing in Will Pauling, who was at Cincinnati last year um, with uh, Luke Fickle. So that's a really nice receiver to bring in over. Um, they've got good tight end play. Their offensive line is really, really good. And then a defensive coordinator, they're bringing in Mike Trussell. Why does that name have meaning, Ben? Jim Trussell? Jim Trussell. It's his nephew. Hmm. So Luke Fickle, who was the interim head coach at Ohio State, has brought in Jim Trussell's nephew, Mike Trussell, which I find absolutely fascinating. Wisconsin's going to play Ohio State at home on October. Hmm. October 28th at home on October 28th. And we've been talking about the doubts people have of Ryan day coming into the year. Luke fickle is one of the sharpest head coaches. I think in college football and honestly, Ben, I was pretty shocked. Like I'm sitting there going Auburn. I like, I like you freeze, but why aren't you calling Luke fickle? Like, this is easily the best coach available right now on the market. Why would you not go and get him? But whatever. Oh um, boy. Auburn wants to I go guess boy. so. But let me tell you, I think Wisconsin has the potential to win like 11 games this year. And if you look at the schedule, Ben, they're going to get Iowa at home October 14th, Ohio State at home October 28th. They could very possibly win both of those games in granite ohio state would be a massive upset it would they could win both of those games and then they're going to go play for paul bunyan's axe at minnesota in minnesota if you look at pj fleck his team's traditionally very very good first half of the year and then he loses a running back or he loses a tight end 
or his quarterback gets injured in bottom half of the year or second half of the year, they're not near. So we could get a beaten down Minnesota team, and that could be their toughest road opponent is going to Minnesota. Been like I think Wisconsin, it's a dark horse. I think they're a dark horse candidate to sneak into the playoff just because all the talent, they're not shy of talent. They're not. Their toughest games they're getting at home. Wisconsin is a brutal place to go win at. In October weather, that game could That's be true. in snow. It could be 60 degrees. It could be right. Like you have no idea what you're going to get, mm-hmm. right? And this this team could be humming at this point. So like I love Wisconsin because I think they could be eight and four, nine and three. I think we you get to the end of the year and be like, when's the next TCU? Wow. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Wisconsin's beating Ohio State and going to the national championship. That is not what I said. That is not (laughs) what I said. I heard that was a possibility. Yes. The first place I've heard it. Possibility. Yeah. Um, Look, I think Wisconsin will be a very good team and definitely the one to win the West. But I, I don't think they have aspirations of greatness this year. Uh, they just, they're going to look a lot different and it's going to be improvement, but it's who do they not going to be. When you look at the schedule, who do they lose to? Who do they lose to this year? Yeah. Okay. And I'll, I'll well, read the schedule. I think Ohio there. state. Uh, okay. It will be interesting to see. Cause you've got them ranked above Iowa. Yeah. So if they lose to Iowa at home, I mean, Iowa would finish first in the West. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I would say you probably got Wisconsin beating Iowa. Yep. So this is what I'm saying. Like, look at the the schedule, super workable. If you look at last year's schedule, by the way, it wasn't as workable. They had a bunch of tough road games this year. They've got a bunch of winnable home games and their road games at Purdue. Well, at Purdue last year was tough at Purdue. This year is not tough. They get that one on a Friday night. Um, they're going to go at Washington State week two. That might be their toughest road game. Hold on. What's their first game? Uh, Buffalo. Buffalo. Okay. See. No, but I will say this. Buffalo Buffalo is a sneaky, sneaky good group of five team. Okay. Uh, ben doesn't watch the group of five, so that's what I don't. he does. He says, okay. So, yeah. They're going six and zero. I mean, at Illinois could be tricky before Ohio State. I think, I think they lose to Ohio State. Dang, you're right. At Minnesota may be interesting too. Dang, they have a, That's what I'm saying. Right, this schedule's good. I mean, even if if they're eleven and one and they lose to Ohio State, they're still probably in the playoff. They're in the discussion. Yeah. And then they're playing Michigan in the college football or in the Big Ten championship, or maybe yep. playing Ohio State and get a rematch. Mm-hmm. You're right. I've done something. I've convinced Ben of something. Look at that. That's wild. Telling huh. you. Did my Very research workable. today, Benjamin. Very I've workable. done my research. Okay. I come in with no research. I'm just Let's here to chat play. about Iowa on the chance that McLubbin is watching us today. And I'm not paying attention to uh, Facebook in case he's not. Um, I will tell you this. Facebook comments, I don't really read during the show too much. 
You can interact with us, though. If you go on YouTube and look up Fourth String Podcast, your comments on YouTube actually appear live with both of us, and then they get put on the show. So if you want to watch and interact, you can do that. Now, Facebook, fine, interact there, too. I just don't see anything until afterwards. So um, if McLubbin is watching, because he's told me before he has, A, I appreciate it. Um, and B, we're about to talk about your program. Actually, I've got some other Iowa fans that might be watching, too. Um so let's chat about Iowa. First thing that's interesting, Ben, the quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know who it is? Nope. Okay. I love asking Ben questions. <laughs> Every time I feel like our podcast is like getting a little momentum. I'm like, no, we're the fourth string podcast. We have to nip the momentum in the bud. And I have to ask Ben a question that I know he's not going to know the answer to. Cade McNamara. Was that Michigan, Michigan guy? Yep. He's at Iowa now. Oh, dang. Yep, that's what I'm saying. So that A is interesting because I'd make the argument, Ben, Cade McNamara is probably the best quarterback they've had there in 15 years. I I mean, I'm sure there's somebody else who's been good, but I can't think of them. Um, (laughs) They have Caleb Johnson coming back. That guy's amazing. Um, I'd say he's probably going to be a 1,000-yard rusher. Um, They do lose Sam Laporta. I mean, every year Iowa just rolls in these amazing tight ends. So they're losing a really great uh, tight end, Sam Laporta, but I would make the argument that Eric All, who was also at Michigan, by the way, so he and Cade McNamara are going to have some chemistry. I think Kirk Ferentz knows what he's doing with tight ends. I think the offense is actually going to be pretty doable. If Caleb Johnson is reliable at all, the offense is going to be fine. Um, and then you look at the defense. Was I was always had a really good defense. The biggest question is probably going to be in their secondary but Ben, Iowa rolls out and has for a long time some of the best secondaries um, in the Big Ten. They do yep. lose Kayvon Merriweather. That's a big loss. Other than that, I mean, Jamari Harris, he's back. Like I, I think Iowa's going to be a really, really good team battling all year long. Here's my issue with them and why I can't pick them to win the West, though. One, they got to go at Penn State. So they've got to go at Penn State. Wisconsin avoids Penn State altogether, and they avoid Michigan. So if you look at, like, okay, the top three elite programs in the Big Ten, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, right? So Iowa's going to play two. Wisconsin's going to play one. Um, the or I'm sorry, Iowa's going to play one. Uh, Wisconsin's going to play one. But the one that Iowa plays is going to be on the road. I think that's tougher to win. And they get to go at Wisconsin. They're going to play Minnesota at home, but Minnesota's coming off of a bye. And that's going to be the week after the Wisconsin game. So I'm looking at that thinking, okay, so Iowa goes to Wisconsin, plays a physical game, gets beat up. Even if they win, now they're at home against a Minnesota team who's got a good coach and coming off of a bye. I don't think that's Mm -hmm. easy. And then they end the year playing at Nebraska on Black Friday. And again, I think this Nebraska team, Ben, which we can talk about them, Matt Rule being the new coach. So I think Nebraska is going to be really good or much better, rather, at the end of the year than they are at the start of the year. Anytime you get a new coach, that's typically what we see go throughout the end of the season. So that game at the end of the year, we can have a much better Nebraska team. Maybe that's more of a toss-up than it is a lock because it's at Nebraska and on a Friday night, you know, the sea of red is going to be there. 
Uh, so Nebraska's going to have a really, really good home field that night. I think Iowa's sitting somewhere around nine, ten wins probably being their max. Yep, I can see that right there as well. I think the big, like, trap of Wisconsin-Minnesota is very interesting. I don't see the Nebraska game actually being a challenge for them. I think they'll be able to win that even on the road. Uh, Matt Rule has his work cut out for him to actually turn that team around his first season. Oh, agreed. Yeah. So, I I mean, I think he's, he'll be a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach, and I don't think he's going to be able to do – you know, crazy magic work to be able to beat a should be very good Iowa team at the end of the season when they're cranking on all cylinders. I will say, and let's go to our surprise contender, Ben. My I, surprise contender is Iowa. Now, I'm not predicting them to, but here's the thing I would say about Iowa. Cade McNamara, after everything that happened at Michigan, where I feel like he's the one who kind of resurrected Harbaugh, right? Like we were all about to bell on Harbaugh. Cade McNamara comes in, he beats Ohio State, then he loses his job last year to JJ McCarthy. He's got to be pissed, right? So now Cade McNamara comes in, they're going to have finally a capable quarterback. I think if he's playing above his skis this year, which he could, because again, he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. They get the Penn State game early, which is really interesting because early in the year, you don't really know what you are. And Penn State does not beat top 10 programs. I don't expect Iowa to be in the top 10, but I think it points to uh, James Franklin does not win these games against really tough elite head coaches. If Iowa's rolling into that game 3-0, and Ben, with a ton of momentum, and they go into Penn State, who I think the week um, – before is playing a tough game as well. So before that uh, Iowa game, Penn State's going into Illinois, which is not going to be a slam dunk win by any means. If Iowa pulls off that upset, the only game standing between them and getting to the Big Ten Championship is going into first-year head coach Wisconsin and pulling off an upset there. So Iowa, I could easily see if they can get through Penn State running the table in the Big Ten West and potentially they're a playoff contender as well because there's just not another game on their schedule that I think poses a big threat. There's some games that are of interest, like Minnesota. We mentioned at Nebraska later in the year. But if they can just get through those Penn State and Wisconsin games, this Iowa team's got the capacity to win even more if Cade McNamara is playing at an all-Big Ten level. Yeah, I mean, Iowa could definitely... You know, win their division and then have a shot. Well, uh, and think about this, Ben. If he's playing all year, mm-hmm. thinking, I just got to get to the Big Ten Championship and get revenge on Michigan. Yeah. Right? I mean, that could be his driving true. force all year long. Like, I don't know what kind of a chip that kid has, but if that had happened to me, telling you right now it'd be 12 weeks of hell for everybody we play <laughs> i hope he has like a tebow little speech after a game so who's your surprise contender i mean are, are you going with maryland i know you got him third <sighs> yeah that was my, that was my team um just because look maryland's interesting Ta- talia tavangaloa is in his senior season uh he's got 
pretty decent group around him. They're returning quite a few players. Uh, their schedule sucks because they have to play both at Ohio State and Michigan, second to the last game of the year after traveling to Nebraska. So, like, they don't have any good bye weeks. Uh, but I will say this. They're going 6-0, and and they're going to be getting attention then. They play Towson to start the year, Charlotte, UVA, which is basically on the same caliber as Towson and Charlotte. Then they go Towson's at a little bit State. better. Towson's a little bit better. Understood. Yeah, Towson's a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, they go at Michigan State, where they should just destroy them. And then that is the three thirty games. So that's probably like the Big Ten uh, game of the week or whatever. Uh, that will be the first time that everyone really sees Maryland just go off. They're going to beat Indiana. And so I guess is that five games? It's five games. So then they have to go at Ohio State, which is probably going to be a night game, first week of October. And that's going to be tough. It's going to be kind of an air raid game is my guess. Uh, so Ohio State should win that one. They have the home field advantage. They have the better team. But I really like Maryland as a whole. I think probably those first five weeks of some cream puffs and or decent competition that has kind of ramped them up will be good. Uh, they need to ensure that their defense is strong to be able to be competitive here. But I think on the offense side of the ball, they have all the key components they need. Well, the, and, the big uh, loss that they've got to replace is CJ Dupree, CJ Dupree. Um, tight end from last year he's gone off to the nfl and i think he's going to be really really good but that is going to be a really tough player for them to replace they are bringing in tyrese chambers from florida international he had a thousand receiving yards last year so that's a big pickup i mean mm -hmm. like when you talk about these transfers coming in from a group of five conference if they're coming in from like a thousand plus yard season understand they just added like the best player from like a group of five conference or one of the best. That's a nice addition. If you watch group of five football. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do at the receiver position, but losing a player like Sujay Dupree for Tango Viola, that's going to be a hard player to replace. And then the other thing that I think is difficult too, is they've lost their offensive coordinator and they're bringing in Josh Gaddis who was the offensive coordinator at Miami and was the offensive coordinator at Michigan the year before that. Josh Gaddis, I hope, dude, and I do mortgages for a living, I hope you didn't buy a house because you can't stay anywhere longer than a year. So I hope you're renting because you're not going to be at Maryland for very long. But now he comes in, and I think it's interesting, going into a new offensive coordinator position, losing a couple key play players, how does Tenga Viola respond to that? But they get the first five games, really, to figure it all out. Towson, Charlotte, UVA, all at home at Michigan State, and then back home to play Indiana. There's not a real threat there. And if you're going to play Ohio State, I'd rather get Ohio State on the road and Michigan on the road knowing I'm probably losing those games anyways, right? I don't want to lose my home games. So I think there's a real opportunity here for Maryland to win a bunch. And then, Ben, I'll be honest with you. I've got Michigan as the number one team in the country. Mm -hmm. I think the most dangerous game on their schedule is November 18th at Maryland. Because the week before, they're going to play at Ohio State. 
or I'm sorry, at Penn State. The week after, they will play at Ohio State, or they'll play at home against Ohio State. Now, here's the thing with this. Last year, the week before Michigan played Ohio State, they played Illinois. Ben, did you watch the game? I don't remember. Okay. Remind me. Illinois outplayed them for three and a half quarters and Michigan won at 19 to 17. Mm. It was a brutal game. Michigan's offense was completely absent from that game. That, and, and that game, by the way, was at home. This time they're going on the road to a Maryland team that I would say is better than last year's Illinois team. And they're going to go on the road the week before the Ohio State game. I think that's going to be a brutally tough game for Michigan to go win. Now, I think they will, but there's a couple of opportunities here, Ben, for Maryland to pick up a big win. The only thing about Maryland is past couple of years, they have won every game they've been favored in and lost every game they've been an underdog in. Past two years, they have done that exact same thing in the Big Ten Conference. Is this the year... Maryland finally makes a leap and wins a game they're not supposed to. I think so. Uh, I think they will. Um, I'm not sure who it'll be though. The so who are they? I I don't think Maryland's going to beat either Ohio State or Michigan. But there are other teams such as like Penn State that I think they have a chance there, and uh, that. Maybe, maybe the one I, I'm sure they'll play Michigan. Well, I just don't yeah. see it. So, but there's I will a chance this too. Let's tie this into some sec talk. I, so Mike Loxley is the head coach at Maryland. He used to be a coordinator down at Alabama. I think if Texas A&M were to fire Jimbo Fisher at the end of the year, this is who should get that job. Maryland would just promote your OC. What's that? You wouldn't just promote your OC as an interim. I'm not hiring Bobby Petrino as my permanent head coach. <laughs> no, no way. He comes with yeah. too much baggage. Mike Loxley, though, should be your hire if you're Texas A&M. He's got SEC connections. The guy recruit Wells. He understands the transfer portal, I think, better than anybody. And he just does a good job of building a roster. Like, stop trying to see if you could just get more five stars than everybody else in your conference. Like, you can assemble a bunch of talent, and it doesn't mean anything. Mike Loxley has put together a really competitive team with Maryland. And this is a program that before he got there, they were awful then. Bottom of the Big Ten, couldn't beat anybody. And now we're looking at them and you've got them picked third. And I'm looking at this Michigan game at home. Like they might win that. Like they might pull off an upset against Michigan or Penn state. This is not a lock. If you're traveling to Maryland and having to play the Terrapins, that is a tough football team. So my surprise contenders, Iowa Benz is Maryland. Okay. Let's go to um, best game of the year. Ben, my prediction is it's going to be Ohio state at Wisconsin. And really? I think Ohio state and Maryland or Michigan rather is going to be great as always. Like mm-hmm. I do, but the Michigan or the Wisconsin game just has so many things riding on it. If Ryan day loses that game middle of the year, what is the temperature in Columbus with his job? 
cold. I I think I think there's going to be some Ohio State boosters that are going to be making a phone call. If he loses the game at Michigan, he's done. Like if he yeah. drops that game, that's a big deal. And meanwhile, Luke Fickle, I mean, he feels like he should have gotten the Ohio State job because he did an amazing job as interim. He's now taken Cincinnati to the playoff. And nobody's given them a chance at Wisconsin. This is a really talented team. The game is going to be at home. Wisconsin is one of the craziest home environments in college football. I think they're going to give Ohio State all they can handle. I mean, I love it. I would love to see it. I think it'll be interesting for sure. I've got to go with one of the best, not the best, one of the best rivalries in college football and one of the most competitive here recently by far. Uh, Ohio State going to Michigan on the road, uh, 25th of November. It's a noon game. Why they already set that at that time? Is it? It's great. You start the day. Boom. Why make me me wait until 8 o'clock? I got church the next morning. Hit me early. So uh, I'm a bloody Marianne. Okay, there you go. It should be the game. I don't know if I'm going to say, well, maybe. It's like one of the games of the year for the regular season. Yeah. Probably the game of the year for the regular season. If I'm being honest, these two teams should be undefeated going into this game. It should be like number three and four, respectively because Georgia and Alabama will both be undefeated and should be ranked above both of these teams. So you'll have like four undefeated teams that are going to play each other in either the last game of the season or the championship games. And it's going to be pretty wild. So I've got this is the best game of the year in the Big Ten. Let's talk about Michigan here real quick because, um, and I know we talked about them in our top ten preview, but I want to go a little bit deeper on them, um, just because I don't think you could do a, I don't think you could do a Big Ten preview and wait until minute forty-five to bring up Michigan like we've done. <laughs> but it's all good. I mean, again, everyone knows they're good. Well, it's like I said at the start of the podcast. There's so many freaking storylines on this conference. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the SEC's fun, but it's going to be the same five teams. Pac-12 is going to be a blast. I really have no idea what's happening in the ACC. That's that's fine. The Big Twelve Clemson. will be fine. The big the Big Ten is just storyline after storyline. But let's talk FSU, about Michigan. That's all the ACC is. So Michigan, first off, has the best one-two punch at running back that I think we've maybe ever seen in college football. I mean, Blake Corum and um, shoot, what? Why am I blanking on his name? Donovan Edwards. Blake Corman, Donovan Edwards are going to be absolutely incredible this year. Blake Corum is probably a first-round draft pick. Donovan Edwards might also be a first-round draft pick, and that doesn't happen a ton um, in the NFL because of what's happening with running backs, but they're both capable. Yep. The tough thing for Michigan is they lose Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell has been a blanket of security for that offense and somebody that – Harbaugh's been able to game plan around constantly. Red zone, he's the guy. Big plays downfield, he's the guy. 
who steps up in his place. Is it Cornelius Johnson? Is it Roman Wilson? I think that's a really tough player to lose. Wow. I don't know if you heard that or not. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that was thunder. That like completely shook our house. My three-year-old will probably run out crying here in just a minute. <laughs> that that startled me a little bit. Um, they do bring back uh, Shoemaker. I'm sorry, no, wait, they've lost Shoemaker. Um, so that's tough. And then all has transferred. So they've got tough players to replace at tight end, tough receivers to replace. The offensive line is going to be really good, that they are bringing in a lot of transfers into this. That's going to be tough too. But I think Michigan, Ben, between J.J. McCarthy, this one-two punch at running back, in the secondary, this is going to be an incredible football team all year long. And the thing is, is they're going to start off the season with four, four <laughs> group of five teams at home or three group of five teams at home and then play Rutgers at home to start off their season. So any kinks they have in the offense, they've got four weeks to figure it out. <laughs> yep East Carolina UNLV Bowling Green Rutgers it's a great great way to start off the season that's for sure yeah um, at Maryland I think will be tough um, the only team they get off of a bye week by the way is Indiana that's it the only other stretch in this that maybe is going to be tough is going at Nebraska and then following up immediately going at Minnesota um but they're getting Nebraska early, and I don't think Minnesota's got enough firepower to really produce uh, a surprise against Michigan. So I think Michigan will be fine on that. All right. Player of the year projection, Ben. Uh, shoot. I'm going to go. Uh, JJ McCarthy. I'm going Marvin Harrison. Okay. Um, I think, and we got to talk about Ohio state too, because I think Ohio state's really interesting. So we'll end the podcast with talking about Ohio state. Yeah. Um, save the best for last. I think Ohio state's going to find themselves in a bunch of games where they just got to air it out to be able to win. And I think there's going to become a point where Ryan day, who's not the most creative game planner out there is just going to have to say, just throw it anywhere near here at Harrison and let's hope for the best. And it's going to work out a lot. This is one of the best receiver prospects we've seen maybe ever. I mean, I saw him earlier compared to Randy Moss. I mean, I don't know. He's amazing though. Um, but I do think it's interesting looking at Ohio state. Uh, Kyle McCord comes in at quarterback. Like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, it's really their first year without a five-star recruit at quarterback under Ryan Day. So that's going to be interesting for him, him to deal with. Um, Emeka Egbuka is back. Marvin Harrison um, is back. Julian Fleming is back. Really, really talented players there. And then the defense under year two of um, Jim Knowles, I think will probably take a massive step up. The big thing for uh, Ohio State Ben is going to be going at Notre Dame September 23rd, at Wisconsin October 28th, and at Michigan to end the year November 25th. I think they could lose potentially two of those three games. In that Notre Dame team, by the way, you've got a coach, uh, Freeman, who's looking to redeem himself from last year because last year they got off to an 
abysmal start losing to Marshall. So now getting Ohio State at home, they're looking to show off early in the year and pull off a big upset. I think that's a tough game for Ohio State. And at any point, the second Ohio State loses the game, there's going to be Ryan Day questions pop back up. I mean, once you break that barrier, anytime you lose a game at any point in the season right after it, questions about your job security come right back. Yeah, well, it's a good thing that uh, Ohio State will be undefeated going into the game against <laughs> Michigan. I think they're going to be really good. Travion Henderson, by the way, he's a local kid. I don't know if I mentioned this eight times on our podcast or not, um, but he is local to Virginia, and Virginia Tech didn't offer him, um, mm-hmm. or at least did not recruit him hard enough, rather. He's amazing. Mayan Williams is amazing as well. If Michigan has the best one-two punch at running back, I'd make the argument that Ohio State is second and not far off behind them. I mean, as great as the receiver core is, what really goes unnoticed at Ohio State is going to be the running back situation. Yep, Ohio State slammed with talent. And they know how to recruit where Virginia Tech doesn't. That's true. All right. There's your Big Ten preview. Oh, championship prediction. I mean, I guess we kind of gave this away early in the year, early yeah, in the we podcast. Did. You've got Ohio State, Wisconsin. I've got Michigan, Wisconsin. Yeah, we both have you know, Wisconsin. It's interesting. I wouldn't have guessed before we started this that the one team we would both have in the championship would be Wisconsin. I know, right? It's weird, huh? I should have gone with Iowa. I just offensively, Iowa just they're going to be a lot better, but historically, this is also a complete indictment on Graham Mertz. If the <laughs> second you leave, Wisconsin goes from can't win a bowl game to in the college football playoff. Yep. Like, I know the head coach is important, but dude, if you imagine this, he goes from Wisconsin where his coach just got fired down to Florida. And if what happens if Billy Napier gets fired, he will have just gotten two coaches fired while Wisconsin is competing for a chance to play in the playoff. Coach killer. Coach killer. Hey, that's all right. He'll have a legacy at least. (laughs) All right. Well, thunderstorm and all, this has been fun. Any closing thoughts here, Ben? Yeah, look, uh, Big Ten is a wild bunch. Get ready for a year of kind of craziness that ends up with Ohio State being on top. Don't think that's happening. (laughs) I've got Michigan going all the way. Undefeated. Wisconsin, surprise run to the playoff. Dark horse. Mm. Wild. Other than than, uh, Sauce Gardner-Johnson, who was at Cincinnati, I think this Wisconsin team is every bit as talented as that Cincinnati team. Why isn't Tanner Mordecai your player of the year then? Because I think if I think if Wisconsin is as good as I think they'll be, Braylon Allen's going to have more to do with it than Tanner Mordecai would. Hmm. And I, Braylon Allen, as much as I like him, like you can't get Player of the Year to the second or third best rushing team in the Big Ten because Michigan's yep. going to be the best. Ohio State's probably going to be the second best. So I just I think Wisconsin all around is a very talented team. I think Tanner Mordecai is a much bigger upgrade than people even realize. Mm-hmm. And it's going to fly under the radar. 
a lot throughout the year. And honestly, I just think the schedule, Ben, Wisconsin's got the breeziest schedule of any of these heavy hitters in the conference. I mean, it's better than Penn State's, uh, who's losing Sean Clifford. It's better than Michigan's. It's who's going to have to go on the road a couple of times at tough places. It's better than Ohio State's schedule. Uh, they've got the most workable schedule. That for a first-year head coach is huge. There you go. On Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. All right. There's our Big Ten podcast. Jump around. Y'all have a good night.